Amen. Well, it is the holidays. We have Thanksgiving happening over on this side. If you haven't seen, we have a nice little Thanksgiving display, and we have Christmas happening over there, and, uh, and it just feels like this year, doesn't it? It's just flying right by. So happy Thanksgiving. Um, I, ha- I have a couple of gift cards here this morning to Starbucks, because all good go- gift cards come from Starbucks, and, uh, and, and, and here's what I want to know. Uh, how many of you are traveling, you're going out of town for Thanksgiving? Anyone heading out of town? All right, I want to know who's going the furthest. All right, so who's going, who's going out of state? Let's just start there. Anyone traveling out of state? All right. Abby, you're going to Vegas. All right. Gina? Tucson? Oh, wow. That, Tucson, Tucson's a little further. Anyone going further than Tucson, Arizona? Are you driving? Oh, perfect. So this will help you stay awake. Here's a gift card for you. (laughs) Uh, And then I want to know, some of you are traveling and some of you are hosting in your homes. How many of you are hosting Thanksgiving at your house? All right, so there's a few of you. All right, now here's how we're going to do it. I want to know who's hosting. uh, How many of you are hosting more than 10 people in your home? Hosting more than 10. Matthew? Yeah, right. You're hosting in your home over at the dorms? No, up in, yeah. I'm going to go, so Cherie, how many people are coming over? A few. <laughs> right. Any, anyone else more than 14? Miriam. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. So here's what I know. When you have people coming over, you need a little pick-me-up. There's a little pick-me-up for you. <laughs> She's good. You, you won. You won fair and square. It's good. Isaac, buy your wife a cup of coffee. All right, there you go. <laughs> Thanksgiving is great. Um, we're hosting at our home, and uh, we're having family coming over. By the way, if you're a Life Pacific student or an APU student, you don't have somewhere to go, you're welcome to join us at our home. We love having college kids at our house. Uh, we have a few traditions. Um, we're not a turkey family. Anyone just like not into the turkey, right? Just no. So we are we are going to honor the Lord by having tri-tip. Um, tri tip. We're we're going to little burnt offering in the backyard on the grill, um, and the fragrance will be pleasing to him and to and to me. So. Well, have a great week. Um, one extra bonus is that it, because it's Thanksgiving week, uh, there's no school in session this week. So when we're done today, we get to just hang out, love on each other. We've got to move a few things inside. And, and the, there's a forecast for rain, so we don't have to worry about getting our new chairs wet. God is good. Amen. Um, I want to jump into our message this morning in just a second. We're talking about our core values and our final core value today, but I want to insert a little quick praise report. Um, it's been an amazing week. Um, I've heard this week testimonies of jobs being provided, of unexpected finances coming in, of uh, physical healing, uh, got to experience and be part of someone being instantly healed on the spot to, uh, this week. In fact, someone, and I'll let them share their testimony, but um, but they were ready to go to a doctor's appointment to have this issue looked at, and by the time we got done praying, they canceled their doctor's appointment. Um, 
God is moving in powerful ways. Um, but you know, sometimes we don't ask. I, I shared this during prayer before service. We believe that God answers prayer. If you believe God answers prayer, would you just raise your hand? Right? Look around. We believe God answers prayer. And yet we, we get to a place sometimes where we don't ask. I, I, I don't ask. I, I try and suck it up, do it on my own, come up with a better solution. And God's like, would you just ask me? You could ask, well, why doesn't God just do it for me? Because here's the thing. He wants us to grow in our faith. And we're going to talk about commit to growth today, commit to growth. Um, but I want to share a praise report with you that will be meaningful to all of us. Um, you're aware that here at Thrive Church, or you might not be aware, but we have 160 chairs in this room. And we're believing that, that through this Christmas season and into the next year that God's just going to continue to fill these seats with people who need to hear about his love. The stuck point for us, and as we meet with our leadership team, we talk about growth, uh, growth potential and what areas that are, are, are an obstacle, comes down to this. We have 160 chairs in one bathroom in the back of the room right over there, um, which, you know, it's, it's not conveniently located in, in some regards. Um, and so we talked about this as a leadership team, and we're like, Lord, what can we do about this? Well, if you, I don't know if you've noticed, like walking down the hallway there, there's a door that says restroom. Maybe you've actually tried to open it and it's locked. Well, I went to our custodian, Bobby, today, and I was like, hey, Bobby, that door says restroom. Is there any way that we can use that restroom? Because it belongs to the district, not to the school. And he said, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll just unlock it and open it up. We now have access to a men's room and a ladies' room. They have multiple stalls, multiple sinks, they're not on the other side of the world, so you don't have to go for a hike. And so um, today, uh, and by next week, we'll have that door propped open. There'll be a sign there. Um, and we're actually going to ask this. If you need to use the restroom, if you would please use that restroom. Um, and then we'll reserve this restroom for anyone who's, who's maybe handicapped that can't make it there uh, and, uh, and has, a, has a physical disability. But otherwise, let's use that restroom. We're going to decorate it. We're going to make it nice. It's going to be lovely. But it's the little things, <laughs> right? It simply took asking, hey, can we use that? And the Lord said yes through Bobby. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you. This is the week of thanksgiving. There's an opportunity to give thanks, but there's also an opportunity to say, Lord, there's an area of need in my life. Hebrews says that we can bring, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Paul says, let's make our requests known. What is it that you're asking God to move in your life? And then let's believe by faith the big things and the little things. Amen? Is that good or what? Yeah, I never thought I'd be that excited about a bathroom, but yeah, so good. Um, well, today is the last Sunday in our series called Thrive Core Values, and we've talked about uh, our vision, our mission. We've, we've spent a few weeks going over this as we really launch into a new season as a church with our new name, um, you know, and there's been a lot of changes over the last year or two. Um, but we know this, that God continues to be faithful, and we simply want to align ourselves with the things that he's speaking to us, with his word, uh, the, his, his heart for our community, so that we're on track, uh, not in our own thinking, but in his ideas and the things that he has for us. So our vision, we can put that up on the screen, this is our vision as a church. Our vision is to help, help people 
thrive in Christ. We're all about helping people thrive in Christ. Again, the key here, in Christ. It's all about what Jesus can do in people's lives. And so thriving doesn't happen apart from being in Christ. How do we do that? How do we put our vision into action? It's our mission. Uh, and it says this, we exist to help people thrive in Christ by knowing God, growing as disciples, serving like Jesus, and going into all the world to reach others. Knowing, growing, serving, going. That is our mission. So our vision, where we're headed, our mission, how we're going to get there, and our values become uh, the structure and, and, the, and the rules, the guidelines, rather, by, by which we do church, how we do life together. And we've covered uh, the, the first seven of those, and I'm just going to read through them real fast um, as we pop those up. God first, people matter, love does, grace extended, bring your best, live in community, ministry and team, and then this morning, commit to growth. If you've missed any of these messages, they're available on the website, and, uh, and if you podcast, it's available on the podcast as well, so you can have those download to your phone automatically. Um, so last week, we talked about ministering team. Today, we want to talk about commit to growth, commit to growth. Here's a statement that was, has been written that goes along with this value. Growth doesn't happen without change. We embrace change to become more like Jesus. We commit ourselves to the discipline of growing in all, all aspects of faith and life. Growth doesn't happen without change. It just doesn't. There's really no part of, of creation, there's no aspect of the world around us uh, that, that where you can see and observe growth happening without there being some kind of change, some kind of transformation. Now, you might already feel a little uncomfortable this morning because that statement has the word change twice, right? And, and, and there's some people who get really excited about change, and then some people are just like, I just need things to be predictable and stay the same, Right, But the reality is, is for both of those, change happens. Change is a part of our world. And, and when it comes to our commitment to grow in Christ, we have to be ready, as this says, to embrace change, to welcome change, so that we can become everything that God has called us to be, which means we become more like Jesus, which is what Romans chapter 8 says, Right? That God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, who are being conformed to the image of his son Jesus. The goal for us is to change so that we look more like Jesus every day. So growth doesn't happen without change. We embrace change. You ready to embrace change today? All right. Mark chapter 4, if you'd open your Bibles there, I want to let you know right up front, I've got a lot of passages today. As I was studying for this, set, for this message, um, I, I had a notebook that I just write down passages and references in, and it was, I, had, I filled a, an eight and a half by 11 page, over 50 direct passages that relate to us growing in Christ both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and I didn't exhaust all of the passages that are even in Scripture. This is a major, major theme in the Bible. 
And one of the things we need to do as believers as we read the Word, which is why doing our life journaling and being consistently in the Word, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that we start seeing these themes develop all throughout Scripture. And it's an important place for us to take note of what God keeps saying these things over and over again, right? If you're a parent and you're saying the same thing over and over and over in your house, it's probably something important, right? Maybe someone's just not listening, can I get an amen, right? Someone's just not listening, so you've got to say this again. Do I have to repeat myself? That's really what God is doing. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat myself on the points that are really important. This, this, this aspect of growth, personal growth, is that. And so I'm going to share as many as time will allow this morning, um, but, but just know that there's more to be mined in this, which you can do in your own Bible study. Mark chapter 4, verse 3 through 8 says this, Jesus speaking, listen. By the way, that's Jesus, right? If Jesus says listen, it's a good idea to listen. He says this, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not uh, bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. A parable that Jesus shares, a story that he tells, which in that context everyone would have been familiar with. And we even, even though we don't live in an agricultural society, at least here in Glendora, we know that there's remnants of that. We know that there used to be orange groves here and there was fruit produced, pushed all that aside, and now there's homes that some of you live in. Um, but we don't live in, 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 in Southern California in, in really an agrar agrarian context, but we do understand the idea that when you put a seed in the ground and it takes root, it, it grows and then it produces a harvest. And this, this Thursday, we will sit down at our tables and we will enjoy that bounty, right? We'll enjoy that harvest that came from somewhere, the wheat that was harvested somewhere in the Midwest probably, right? A turkey that was raised somewhere else, uh, you know, the, the gravy, the stuffing and all of that good stuff. Um, the seed is planted and it produces a crop. And Jesus is paint, painting a picture here of, of the life of the believer, the life of the person who commits to follow him, saying this, in, in the same way that a seed is planted in the ground, God is going to plant a seed in your life, in your heart, and his desires that it would produce a harvest, a hundred, right? Multiplying 30, 60, and 100 times. But he paints that picture of the seed that ends up in soil that, that has problems, and we're not going to delve too much into that. We just want to be aware of the fact that there's times where the soil isn't ready to receive the seed. And so soil is important, but the seed doesn't go into the ground and stay a seed, does it? Does it? No. You plant it, it germinates, right? It starts sending down a root, it starts sending out a, a trunk or a stalk or whatever the case would be with whatever plant it is. And as the roots get established, the plant matures, and then it starts flowering. I love orange blossoms. Smells so good. Because 
two reasons. First, it smells good, and the second is I know that oranges are coming, right? There's a blossom, and then the fruit starts forming, but it's not ready to eat yet. You have to wait till it's ripe, and then you get to enjoy that fruit. And that small little seed transforms and changes into something amazing. Jesus even talks about the mustard seed, and he says the smallest seed, when it's planted and it grows, it grows into a, a bush that's big enough that birds can come and make their nest in it, and they can find that safety in it. The seed changes into something else. We have change happening all around us every day. I want to show you a picture of my kids. Um, the, these are my four children. You, you know them, but... Um, right? Isn't that great? So, so Blake on the far left, and then there's Micah, um, and then Gavin and little Grace. And, uh, you know, of course, this is, with the exception of Micah, he was a, already a toddler at that point. Um, this, these, these are their baby pictures. They were, they were just born, or they were uh, just really young. Um, and they were so cute, and we were so happy to get the little girl. But they were just amazing babies. We just, it was a fun season and a hard season, right? It's a fun season and a hard season. We, when Micah was born, uh, we'd, we'd been married nine months. Um, and we're just still getting used to being married. And, uh, yeah, our first, it was a, it was a wild ride. And, uh, and we brought him home. We had just moved into a new apartment. We, he came a little bit early, so we were still painting his room. And we brought him home, set him on the floor, and cried because we were just overwhelmed. I mean, joyful, so glad to have this baby, but thoroughly overwhelmed. And we called some of our friends. In fact, Stacy over here was one of those friends. And, uh, and then her friends and our friends, Stacy and Tracy, uh, came over. And literally for a week, they cooked dinner for us. They helped us decorate. They helped us paint. Um, Stacy has known our kids since they were all in the womb, and uh, it's, it's amazing to have friends. And we've, we, we just loved on our kids. We loved bringing babies home. We loved that season. But here's the thing. They didn't stay that way, right? They didn't stay that way. You don't know them this way. In fact, you, you know them more this way. Let me put that next picture up. See, now there's those same cute babies in... Uh, but they're not little babies anymore. And this is back in June. This is, this is Father's Day. So they don't, they've even changed since then. Um, change happens in life, and we, we understand it. In fact, it's a good thing. I'm so glad. We love that, that they were babies. But you know what? I remember the day we changed our last diaper. I remember the day that we went to Costco and didn't have to buy that giant box. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was a highlight of our lives. No more diapers. Another, another growth point that was really cool was the point where our kids were old enough, the older boys were old enough to babysit the younger ones. I think Megan and I at that stage, we were going out like three or four or five times a week. We're like, bye guys, we're out. And, uh, and our boys are like, really? Like, and we're like, no, you don't understand. We haven't had this since we got married. So we're, we're on the road. And every season and every stage of raising kids comes with its own struggles and its own joys. 
And we love it. We love the stage that we're in right now. We get to have conversation. We get to have deep conversation. We get to talk about the things of the Lord. We laugh a lot in our house. Our kids have warped senses of humor, and it's just, and it's just a lot of... Yeah. But, but here's the thing. I didn't, I didn't make them grow. I didn't make them grow. Megan didn't make our kids grow. We provide an environment where they were loved and, and an environment where they were nurtured and, a, and a, an environment where they were corrected. I love it when people would come to ask and ask Megan, why are your kids so good? And she just goes, because I spank them a lot. <laughs> now, that's, a per, that's where we land in, when it comes to correction. But I tell you what, with three little boys in the house, right, it, yeah, um, correction, teaching, we homeschooled for a while, um, but we didn't make them grow. I didn't go into their room at night and fiddle with their DNA, right? Because I don't have the capacity to do that. I can't make that happen. All I can do is tend to the environment. Read uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 through 19 with me, and I'll have it up on the screen here. Says this, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual minds. Listen to this. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, listen to this, grows as God causes it to grow. And Paul's addressing people that are coming into the church and thinking that they can make a growth difference, and all they are is arrogant and puffed up, and they think they know better, and they're foolish. They're disconnected from the head. Growing up in Africa, uh, we had, I'm not a big snake fan. I don't like snakes because most of the snakes where I grew up were deadly. And so you just don't play with snakes. Uh, in fact, if you saw a snake, what you try to do was cut off its head. Why? Because you cut off the head, the rest of the body dies. And Paul's saying here, listen, if you're going to grow in Christ, if you want to be mature as a believer, you have to stay connected to the head who is Jesus. Apart from him, you will die. Things won't make sense. Who causes the body to grow? God does. God causes it to grow. And so as we talk about this, this final value, commit to growth, I want to make this so absolutely clear for us this morning. Before I make, I only have a couple of points today, but I want to make this absolutely clear clear that the key to growth, to growth in the Lord, to growth as a church, to growth in your marriage, to growth as a parent, to growth in any part and every part of your life comes down to these two words, spirit-led. Spirit-led. I, I meet with a group of guys uh, that, that I'm, I'm currently mentoring, and we've been meeting for close to a year now, and it was neat. The beginning of the year, they, I asked them to write down goals. What are some goals for you this year? And a couple of weeks ago, we reviewed the goals, and, and this is what I started hearing from the guys. Um, at the beginning of the year, I wrote down my goals. 
And now that I'm at the end of the year, and because of what God has done in me, I've realized that my goals have changed because those were my goals, and I never asked God what his goals for my life were. And so their goals have changed, and, and in so doing, they haven't failed. It's a huge success because they're learning to be spirit-led. Commit to growth happens because we stop and we say, God, what do you want to do? It goes right back to our first core value, which is God first. God first. And so commit to growth is not us just mustering up more strength, right? Let's do, do things personally or as a church that are just going to cause us to grow. Just come on, grow, right? If that were the case, the top of my head would look very different, <laughs> right? But it doesn't because I can't make this grow. In the same way, God says, you can't make those changes. There's things you can control, and there's things out of your control, but it's ultimately it's God and what he does. We have to be spirit-led. So let's talk about commit to growth. As a church, what does commit to growth mean? Well, we're going to talk about two things. The first is this, individually. What does it mean for you? Now, are you, you might be thinking, well, Pastor Barry, are you telling me that I have to commit to growth? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I want to I even take it a step further. If you believe that this is where God has called you to be in the church that he has said that you're supposed to be a part of, which is what I mentioned in a message a few months ago, we think we get to choose where we get to church, go to church. So few people, so few Christians, so few mature believers ever stop and say, God, where do you want me to be? And we, we, we join and leave churches based on our feeling and our emotion and what we think is the best idea without ever saying, God, what do you want? And so being spirit-led is so important. So absolutely, yes, I'm telling you, if you want to be a part of Thrive Church and see your life transformed, you will have to make a commitment to grow. Because I can't make that commitment for you. I can't, I can't come to your house every day and tell you, hey, hey, are you ready to grow today? There's no way. This has to be personal before, the Lord, before you and the Lord. Now, this is where I, I started running into so many different passages. I had to start picking and choosing. I want to read three passages to you that will paint a picture. The first is out of Hebrews. The next is out of 1 Peter 2 and then 2 Corinthians. First, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 through verse... Uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, through uh, chapter 6, verse 1. The writer of Hebrews says this, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths about God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. If you're a parent, you remember that stage where your, your baby went from milk then to like the, right, the little... The little Little cereals and little, right, that pumpkin mash stuff that was just awful. Um, and then, you know, and then they start getting a couple of teeth, and you're like, okay, it's time for some real solid food, right? That's the picture here. You need milk, not solid food. And he's, he's chastising them, he's correcting them. Anyone who lives on milk, still, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the Mature, everyone say mature. mature. Who, by constant use, 
have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. What is he saying? Commit to growth. Commit to growth. You can stay stuck as a baby Christian, or you can determine in your life that you will move beyond the elementary teachings and into the deeper things of God's Word. And as you do, you will move from milk to solid food. Why do we emphasize being in the Word so much? Because that is the food that our body, our spiritual being, craves and needs. And so we press into those things. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Peter is saying here, He's starting with the milk, so we're working backward a little bit. He's referencing the milk, but he goes, listen, that's the starting point. Milk's okay for that season. The elementary teachings, the basic things about who God is, you start there so that you can grow up in your salvation. And the motivation for that, you've tasted a bit, and you're like, oh, that is good. That is good. Now listen, I, I already mentioned we're having tri-tip this week, and, and I love a good steak. But there's steak, and then there's steak. There's steak that you can go down to your local Vons. Shout out to Jason right there. Um, you can go down to your local Vons where your local meat cutter, not your butcher, the, the meat cutter, um, has, uh, has, has prepared right a, 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 a nice Maybe a nice ribeye or, or maybe just a New York steak, all right? Or maybe you're on the London broil budget and, and, and you're like, this is good, it's beef, it's good. But then, but then you can go out and you can get the filet mignon, right? That costs $45 or $50. There's steak and then there's steak. Peter's saying here, commit to growth because, yes, you've tasted he's good, but there's more. There's so much more. And so keep pressing on. Go further. Don't stay where you're at. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18, he writes, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from who? The Lord, who is the Spirit. You see the theme? Don't stay where you are. Start growing in God. Move from the milk to the solid food. God is good, and He's going to be faithful, and He's going to cause you to grow, but you have to do the work. You have to do the work. In walking in obedience. The work of growing, no, God does that. But there's things that you need to do and tend to to make sure that the conditions are right for you to grow. And that's where the work happens. Some key words that I discovered all throughout Scripture in regards to this. The word mature comes over, up over and over and over again. Uh, the phrase, attain to the fullness. Productive. How about this one? Not 
lacking anything. How many of you would just love to say, I'm not lacking anything? Right? I, you know that, do you know that this is possible, this side of heaven? Do you know that this is possible, this side of heaven? How great would it be to walk into church and say, hey, Jacques, how could I pray for you today? What's the area of need? And you just go, I am not lacking anything. Oh, church. This is good. Not because I'm saying it, but because it's a promise of God's word that you can you cannot lack anything in your life if you commit to growth. We need some coffee up in here today. Yeah. Grow up. No, no. <laughs> that was a horrible transition. Um, <laughs> the words grow up appear over and over and over in scripture. I thought it was like a slam. It's not. It's an encouragement. Grow up into the mature things. Grow up into the body. Grow up in, under the headship of Jesus Christ. Grow up. Someone, look at someone next to you and tell them to grow up. Oh, man. All right. You should have done that with a whole lot more. Okay, maybe I should have said, hey, husbands and wives, don't say that to each other. Um, the word conformed, the word transformed, the word made new, the word strength to strength, glory to glory. You know what these all have in common? Change. Change. It requires that you don't stay the same, that something happens in your life. Our example, of course, as always, is Jesus himself, who in Luke 2.52 it says of him, when he was 12 years old. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. Wisdom and stature, God and man. See, you have to grow in all aspects of life. I want to show you this picture of a tree. as a picture we used uh, a little while back. We see the tree above the ground, and we see the root structure below the ground. Now, you can't see the root structure, right? Right? It's private. There's two parts of your life. There's the public part of your life and the private part of your life. And for you to grow, you have to commit to grow in both. You know what we call someone who grows in their public life and not in their private life? Call them a hypocrite. Call them unhealthy and unstable because if there's no root structure, the, the smallest gust of wind, you hit the ground. And so we have to grow in both. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Is wisdom internal or external? Is it private or public? It's private. I grow in my wisdom internally. Now it's evidenced externally in my life and how I live and the decisions that I make. But when I ask for wisdom, it's a private thing. It's my roots being pressed into the ground. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Public or private? It's public. I can see your stature. I can see the impact that you're making. People were blown away by Jesus at 12 years old. They were like, who is this kid who understands the word of God, who's teaching us these things? Even his parents were baffled. He says he grew in favor with who? God and man. Can I see in your life if you're growing in favor with God? No. I can see the evidence maybe in the way that you produce fruit. But growing in God means 
you are sending your roots even deeper. That happens in private. It happens in your closet. It happens when you're alone. It happens when no one's looking that you commit to that kind of growth. Jesus sets that model for us. And so we grow individually as we recognize that there's two parts of who we are. And within those two components, uh, we've talked about the five parts of, 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 uh, of our being, um, as we even talked about emotionally healthy spirituality. Those five, I'm going to put them up here real quick. Spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, relationally, and physically. Now, some of those are private, some of those are public, and some of them are both. They cross over. But we have to commit to growth in all five of these areas of our life. We have to commit to grow in all five aspects, in all five areas of our lives. Because the person who says, listen, I want to grow spiritually and intellectually, but emotionally, usually ends up being a bully. Because I'm going to tell you what I know, but have no empathy. I'm going to minister out of my hurt, right? Relationally, we are supposed to have good relationships. Why? Jesus said, you will know, the world will know that you're my disciples because you have such sound theology, right? You will, the world will know that you're my disciples because you are emotionally stable, no, he, the world will know because, you, because of the love you have for each other. And so relationally is important. This last one is my least favorite. <laughs> Physically. Now listen, you have to be spirit-led. You have to let God tell you what this means for you. I'm going to tell you what it means for me. Um, I've seen God do amazing things in my life as far as growing and healing and maturing, especially over the last five or six years. And Megan and I have experienced a journey that's been nothing short of miraculous. And even this week, we're just, Lord, thank you for what you've done. A personal con conviction, though, that has not led to growth in my life has been physically. Um, and I want to share this not... not in a way of boasting, and not in a way of arm-twisting, okay? So hear my heart in this. This is my conviction and what God has been telling me. When, when Micah was born that year, I went from working a, a very physical outside job to, uh, to working at a desk. I had to get a, quote-unquote, real job. And the ladies I worked with baked awesome treats. <laughs> and I like awesome treats. And I ended up gaining about 40 pounds our, the first year of our marriage. And I always joke with Megan, I'm like, you know, it was sympathy weight, with, uh, or empathy weight with her pregnancies, and I just never lost mine. Um, and I, I've joked about my weight and my, my physical appearance and, you know, even my hair, whatever. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not that worried about it. But here's what God started speaking to me a couple of years, more than a couple of years ago. He said, Barry, I need you... I need you to lose weight because the work I have for you is going to require that you have the energy and the stamina to, to keep up with what I want to put in front of you. Um, I know this. Um, in fact, Wayne Cadero, Pastor Wayne Cadero, one of the things he talks about in pastors is that you, you make better, I and mean, this is true of everyone, but he was speaking to pastors, you make better decisions when you have oxygen in your blood. It's proven. 
And so when you're sedentary, you're not moving, you're not doing aerobic exercise, you're not getting oxygen into your system. And, uh, and I, I understood it because I'm intellectual, but it didn't translate into any physical change for me. And it was a couple weeks ago, the Lord was just really uh, impressing on me again, Barry, I need you to take, take this seriously. Well, we have a, a pastor in our movement who was pastoring a church, but he ended up going from being quite unhealthy to committing himself to getting physically healthy, and it's become a passion for him. He's written a book. He actually uh, left pastoring his church. His church merged with another church, um, and he's still on staff at that church, but they also, he also started a gym, wrote a book, has a, has a, a personal training app, and, and so I, I've met Terry a couple of times. This guy is like in ridiculous shape. Um, he's, he's about 15 years, 10, 15 years older, probably about 15 years older than me. And I mean, the guy is just, he's in great shape. He has all of this energy. And, and every time I see him, I'm like, man, that, that'd be awesome, right? Now, now, here's the thing. I'm smart enough that I, I, I know all the steps to take, right? I think so often... And this is just an example that applies to all this, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all of these. I know all the steps to take. Sometimes you need some help. Sometimes you need some help. And so, you know, I've done gyms, I've done running. I don't like running. Some of us did the 5K yesterday. I don't like running. It's just not my thing. Uh, maybe, maybe down the road. So Terry pops up on Facebook and he says, I'm looking for a couple of people that I'm going to train for free. And I looked at that post seven minutes after he posted it, and so I responded. I sent him a message, and I said, hey, I'm interested. And so he sent me an email, and he said, listen, this is what you're committing to. If I choose you, uh, you're going to do this program until you meet your goals, and you're going to not deviate at all from what I tell you to do. I'm going to do this for free for you, but if you don't meet your goals... You end up paying me the fee you would have paid me if you were. And, and, and he ain't cheap. Sometimes we just need a little motivation and a little kick in the pants and a little help. And I threw it out there and I was like, yeah. And he comes back and he says, here's what, here's, and I haven't even seen the training schedule. He goes, this is, I need to know right up front that you're ready to go for it, that you won't deviate. And I almost said no. And the Holy Spirit said, why would you turn down an opportunity to do the thing I've been asking you to do for two, three, four years? And so I typed the email and said, okay, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Click. <laughs> and, then, and then my prayer was this. Don't pick me. <laughs> because it's Thanksgiving and it's Christmas. And, and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. I got an email back yesterday, and here's the thing that was funny about it. I thought, you know what? That would be a cool story to share at church, but he hasn't emailed me back. Thank you, Lord. And then an email showed up in my inbox yesterday. He said, Barry, you're in. I'm ready to train you. So I'm committing to growth. And, and, and I thought, you know, I'm going to do this in private. I'm going to do this in private. And, and then he says, oh, by the way, you have to post part of the agreement is you post on Facebook every two weeks and update. So I'm like, dang it. Can I just encourage you, though, 
I'm, I'm praying that for the first time in 20 years, I'm able to enter into submitting a part of my life to Jesus that I've hold, held on to and controlling and saying, no, this is mine. And I found comfort in food. I found comfort in food. Um, <laughs> I enjoy eating, and, and it becomes an excuse and an escape. And God's saying, no, I need that to be brought under my lord, lordship. Emotionally, spiritually, relationally, intellectually, and physically, God says, I want you to grow. I want you to be everything that I've called you to be so you can accomplish the things that I have for you. So you can be the part of the body that I need you to be. Not lacking everything, anything. Mature, whole, restored, healthy. So over the next few months... I'm hoping, my prayer is, and I'm believing that even as I go through what I'm hoping is a transformation, that even for myself, for my family, and even for our church, that it would even be a public reminder of the fact that we're committed to growth. I'm just thankful for the help. Because I remember I said sometimes we need help and sometimes we need to ask. I didn't even ask, and it showed up on my Facebook timeline. And I'm excited for what that means. Where do you need to grow? How are you asking God to help you grow? Are you asking God to help you grow? And, and, and a good place to start is this. What are the things I'm ignoring? What are the things I don't pray about? What are the things I don't talk to God about? Because they're very likely the parts of your life that need the deepest growth and the deepest change. Church, if you're not changing, you're not growing. If you're not changing, you're not growing. We're coming up on 2017, and some of you will write New Year's resolutions. I have resolved to lose weight for 10 years. They're my ideas. Let's not write resolutions this year. You might be at the first church in your life where the pastor is not going to tell you to write resolutions. What I'm going to say is get on your knees before the Lord and say, God, what do you want to do in me, and what do you want to change in me? And let him take the lead. And you get to the end of the next year and go, I never would have dreamt this for myself. Amen? Second Peter 1, 3 through 15. His divine power, as this is an encouragement, because this sounds a little heavy, and you're like, oh, man. His divine power, whose? His power, God's power, has given you Everything you need for a godly life. Every, say everything. everything. Now say it like you mean it. Everything. everything. Everything you need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. You catch that? That you may participate in the divine nature of who God is. Having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires, for this reason, make every effort, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. 
For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's given you everything to live that way. Commit to growth in your personal life. And then the second is this. Commit to growth as the body of Christ. Commit to grow as the body of Christ. As the church. As a follow-up from last week, let me ask this question. How many full-time ministers do we have in the room? By, by show of hands, how many full-time ministers do we have in the room? All right. Now, put your hands down. Now, everyone raise your hand. Everybody, just everybody raise your hand. That's how many full-time ministers we have in the room. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers, the fivefold ministry, that's what we equate with full-time ministry today. And, and, and the, the better description is this. It's full-time vo- vocational ministry. Those five gifts, those five roles that are meant to build up the church. He says, he's given these to equip his people for works of service, for the work of ministry, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to become to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. As each part does its work. That's you. That's you. Church growth is an interesting thing. A lot of books have been written about church growth and a lot of conferences and a lot of ideas and a lot of blogs and a lot of websites. And and as a pastor, there's constantly things and studies that have been done, research that's been done. How to grow your church effectively. How to grow your church from the inside out, from the outside in. How to reach those that are not reachable. Right? Ten steps to this, seven steps to that, five strategies for blah! Come on! As we commit to growth as a body, it's not some kind of, you know, how do we get more people through the door strategy. We're not about filling seats, church. The question is this, how do we grow healthy, mature, humble, obedient followers of Jesus Christ? That is the question. It's too easy to attend church. It's a lot more difficult to be the church. And my invitation through this statement, commit to growth as the body of Christ, it's an invitation to be the church, not attend the church. To be full-time ministers in the way that God's called you to be. You know, the book of Acts has, it talks about church growth a lot. A lot. 
Acts 2.41, and 14.1. All talk about the fact that there were more people coming to church every day. God added daily to their number those who were being saved. 3,000 people, 5,000 people, men and women, large numbers of priests in the, in, the, in, in the temple were coming to Christ. In 6-7, it talks about that. It says that they had favor, that they were together, they were submitted to teaching, they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and they increased in numbers. Right? Go back to the tree example, the private and the public. The best way for us to grow as a church is for us to grow as people. Because as we do, the world around us will go, what is going on with you? Because you're unlike any other church and any other Christian I've ever met. And you can just simply say, I made a commitment to grow in my life in following Jesus. And I just simply asked him what he wants to change in me. And as you do that, you will find your fit. You will find how you're connected to this body, how he's called you to serve and be involved. And as you do that, we will be prepared to receive more people to fill every chair in this room once, twice, three times over. Are you ready for two services? Are you ready for three services? I am. Because I don't want people to go to hell. I don't want people to be lost for eternity. And my prayer is that you feel the same way. But what I'm asking you to do is to live in such a way that what you feel actually is expressed in your behavior as a part of the body of Christ. You catching this? We're coming up on Christmas. One of the greatest times of the year where we can reach out to the people around us. I think most Christians have a hard time inviting their friends because their friends will go, wait a minute, you're a Christian? You go to church? Really? And it's this kind of this nod. We're supposed to declare this boldly everywhere we go. Now listen, I'm not going to arm twist. I'm not going to stay in here. You better invite people to church this Christmas. My question is this. Why wouldn't you? And what's stopping you? Maybe go back to number one. Say, God, what, what needs to change in me? What needs to change in me? See, this isn't about church, church growth strategies. or you know, It's important for us to have structure. Structure existed in the book of Acts. Read Acts chapter 7. They realized, hey, we can't feed all these people. We can't take care of all of these needs. We need, to, we need to get deacons, and Stephen was the head of them, and, and, and they arranged themselves. Even Jesus had someone who took care of the money, right? Right? Turns out he was a thief, but, but there was someone. <laughs> there was structure there. There was accountability, and so we need to do our due diligence we have a leadership meeting tonight. Our, the leaders of our church, our, our ministry leaders are meeting tonight. And we're going to talk about, God, how do, we, how do we do this better? How do we improve? How do we make sure that we're not distracting people, that we're engaging people, that we're reaching our community? We're going to talk about discipleship. How do we effectively disciple and lead our teams and help people engage in ministry? We're going to talk about 2017 and say, okay, what's coming up? 
so that we're not caught off guard going, oh shoot, it's Christmas. So we can create place and space for people to be involved. We want to increase in our effectiveness. But it takes you, the church of Jesus Christ, committing to say, I commit to growth. I commit to growth personally and I commit to growth within my role in the body of Christ. And as you do, as you do, I guarantee you that we will, before long, be at a place where there will be people standing in the back of this room going, I just, I just need to be in here. These gaps that exist, no gaps. Why? Because as the church of Jesus Christ says, listen, I'm ready to go to that, that next level, there's nothing more attractive on the face of the earth when the people of God act like the people of God. And it doesn't matter what's happening in the world around us. So next Sunday, our first Christmas message, Light of the World, you step down into darkness. Light of the World. Can we stand together? And the worship team comes up. Psalm 84, I'm going to close with this psalm. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart is in you.